before you get busy with the hammer and the saw, whatever, and the paintbrush, then you need to be sure you're doing this in the right area and you're doing it to the right type of property. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, hello everyone. So today we have a guest and a very knowledgeable guest in John Linderman to, I guess, give us some of the benefits of data. Now, John is a very knowledgeable market analyst and he has had an illustrious career producing data and reports on all sorts of aspects of the property market in Australia. And he's worked for lots of notable organizations, including the ABS. And he has his own company with his wife, Carolyn, called Property Power Partners and produces multiple reports under the brand, The Linderman Report. I hope I've got that right, John. And Yeah. yeah, we'll fix it up if it's not. And so he's going to be sharing today where and what to renovate for the best results. So welcome, John. Thank you very much for that wonderful introduction, Bernadette. And hi, everyone. It's great to be here. What I'll be doing is talking more about the numbers side of renovating, not the actual hammers and saw stuff, but just what do you do beforehand? Where do you renovate? What do you renovate to for the best results? So that's what I'm going to cover. And also, Bernadette has asked me to talk a little bit about how does the market actually perform? What are the secrets of housing market performance? So I'll be covering that, why the next housing market boom is on its way. I've mentioned this publicly a few times. I did it on LinkedIn. I had 600 responses to that one with people. Everybody wants good news, but they also want to know, well, is this guy really telling the truth? Is he predicting what's likely or is it just sort of wishful thinking? So I'm going to share my thoughts with you as to why I think the next housing market boom has already started. I'll do a national housing market update, then show you where to renovate for market-driven growth and what, what that means and how important it is to your bottom line and how to know the potential uplift in value from a renovation and finally what to renovate to for the best results. So we've got a lot to cover and if you have any questions, if you're not sure about anything, At the end, you can address your questions to Bernadette, and then I'll be able to answer them for you, and every question will be answered. Now, a little bit about me. As I was Bernadette mentioned, I was at the ABS for five years. I was also the head of research at Residex for five years. I wrote two books on the property market and how to invest, Mastering the Australian Housing Market and Unlocking the Property Market, both published by Wiley's. That first one was over 12 years ago, and it's still selling quite well. I also do a number of podcasts and blogs and so on and write syndicated columns for people like Alan Kohler, Kevin Turner, and Michael Yardney. I do blogs and podcasts for smart, pretty much all of these sorts of social media to do with property. I've been in them, and I continue to feature quite prominently. I run my own company with Carolyn. Property Power Partners. Have, we've done that for over 12 years now. And I've also been property market sort of go-to guy for results mentoring, Stuart Siddell Property and the Wealth Club. So I've been around a long time. I've done a lot of stuff. 
But I think in this sort of business, you really, the longer you're in it, the more you learn, the better information that you can provide. So I'm hopefully able to do that for you this afternoon or this evening. The secrets of housing market performance. Now, back in, in the start of 2022, your investment property issued a bumper issue called Australia's Annual Top 50, and they asked five experts to come up with their 10 top picks for best price growth potential in 2022. So my 10 picks, we each picked 10, and I picked 10 which had the highest average price growth of all of those five experts. But I did something else in that. I also picked the best performing suburb in Australia, which was Sussex Inlet, where prices went up by $230,000 during the course of last year. It's quite a unique thing to be able to do that, but it's not because I'm lucky or I've got great insight or whatever. It's because of the way that we use the data. And here's the actual, the article that promoted Sussex Inlet, median house price $600,000 at the start of the year. And by the end of the year, it had gone up to by $230,000. So how do I do that sort of thing? What I did was I spent 20 years analyzing the property market. I looked at all of the different possible causes of housing price changes, and uh, there are hundreds and hundreds of them. And uh, you can see them all here as I scroll down. You look at all these different things that could possibly cause housing price changes. And there's so many, and I really don't want you to write them down because I have simplified this for you. And the way in which I've done that is I've produced a schematic diagram which shows you how all of these interrelate. Now, it took me 20 years to analyze the market and to work out the relationships between these. So I've now simplified this down to a simple schematic. You can see in minutes what it took me 20 years to learn. I know you'd love to see that now, so here it is for you. And of course, I'll be asking questions about this later on. Now, in reality, it doesn't work like that at all. It's much, much more simple than that. But I did write a book explaining my findings about the market called Mastering the Australian Housing Market. Uh, you can see here the sorts of reviews it got, and that was back in 2010 when that was published. But it was a must-read for investors because it broke totally new ground. It showed people how the market worked and how investors could benefit from it. You can still, if you want to get this book, just go to your local library. I'm sure it's there. You don't have to buy it, although you can, but it is a, it's a good read. It's still relevant even today after all those years. But because it told people how to get the best possible results, I discovered that a number of people started using the information that I'd provided to set up their own predictive systems and companies which would profit from that. So I took out a patent and I was awarded a patent in 2016 for, it's the only patented housing market prediction solution in Australia. That's my patent there and the company owns it. So that's what I was able to achieve. And that means that in theory, no one can copy the systems that I've developed. And I'm happy enough to explain them to individual investors because I think that it's fine if you use these on a one-on-one -on -one basis, that's fine. I have no objection to that. In fact, I encourage you to use the systems that I've developed. I'll explain how they work because they can help you to get the best results and avoid making mistakes. Now, the database that I created, which as a result of the patent, has property data for all of Australia's 15,000 suburbs. So what we do is we have a team of researchers and they collect property data for all of those suburbs. It's the sort of data that I showed you before, only much more 
briefly sort of in, into things like vacancy rates, rental demand, listings, sales, prices, all of that sort of data for all types of property. So it covers all of that information. And what it does is it gives me a snapshot of past performance for every single suburb. I can look at the database and see what any suburb has done over the last year or last few years, what the current type of market is, what the rental yield is, the cash flow potential, the imminent price growth potential, which is, of course, of most interest to renovators who are doing it for profit. You want to know, well, what is the market-driven price growth potential in an area, say, over the next 6 to 12 months? And that's what the database tells us. But it also looks at the longer term. There's no other database that can do anything like that. And, of course, it's predicted, sorry, protected by the patent, so no one else can do it because it looks at longer-term movements. It uses finance data and population data, and so it comes up with predictions up to three to five years into the future. And, of course, this wouldn't be any good if it wasn't accurate. But over the last 12 years, these predictive algorithms have proven to be over 90% accurate in terms of predicting both the direction and the intensity of price and rent changes. So it's it's been highly accurate in the past and will continue to do so. And because of the database and the power of it, I was able to make some astounding predictions. And unlike some other people, what I do is when I make a prediction, I make sure it's published so that there's evidence that I actually said what I said or predicted would happen. So back in May 2016, for example, in Property Observer, you can see the article on the left, I predicted that Hobart was the next property hotspot and would boom in 2017. Now, at that point in time, Hobart hadn't gone anywhere for 10 years and my prediction was widely ridiculed or not believed in. And yet, over the next two years, Hobart became the best performing capital city in 2017 and 2018. I also predicted the recent housing market boom. You may remember back in March 2020, all the other analysts and economists were predicting doom and gloom. And in this article here in Your Investment Property, which you can still see if you go into their website and look up the expert articles, you'll find that one there, which I wrote back in March 2020. And I reassured investors that it was not time to panic. I said, this is not going to result in a housing market crash. We were Having people say that, oh, the market's going to crash, the economy's going to crash. But I said our property markets would actually boom. I looked back to what had happened during the Spanish flu epidemic at the end of World War I, and the housing market boomed during that, that pandemic. And I said it's being misread. See, the economists are thinking that this is an economic crisis and it's really a social one. And therefore, the actions that the government was going to take in printing money and so on were actually going to cause our property markets to boom, and that's exactly what happened. When I looked at the property market, I went right back to 1901. So this is a graph here of Australian capital city house prices from right back to 1901 all the way through to 210, 11 when I wrote my book. And this is part, this is in the book, and it's one of the things that I used to work out exactly how the market worked because you can see that prices have gone up. You can see there with the, uh, the trend, They've gone up quite a lot. It's about an average of about 7% per annum. That's the, the average growth of the property market. But it's anything but regular. You can see that there are periods of time when there have been really big increases in a short period of time. In fact, in those two periods, that was after the 
First and Second World War, housing prices doubled within a few short years. And then we had periods of high inflation when house prices went up and again more recently. So we've had bursts of really strong price growth, but we've also had periods of low growth or no growth or even price falls. So you can see there long periods of time where there haven't been any, hasn't been any growth at all, or in fact, prices have gone backwards. And so I looked at well, what is causing that? What's actually going on here? Why does the market behave like that? And how can we use this information? So I realized that it was all about supply and demand, that the housing market performs exactly the same as any other commodity. It's no different. It's just a little bit more complicated. But supply, when you look at the property market, supply is about properties. It's about the number of dwellings for sale, the number for rent, and the number of new bills. That's the supply, and that's the same as any other commodity. What's available? Well, that's what's available. But then you look at the demand, and that's all about people. It's about home buyers wanting to buy a property, renters, and about investors. So that's the demand side. And when you look at the relationship between them, you can start to work out how the market actually works. So why do they change? Well, the first thing is when there's a surplus or a shortage of properties, so let's say you're in a market, people want to buy properties, and there's many more buyers than properties available. What happens is, of course, prices go up. And it's the same with renters. If there's very few rental vacancies and a lot of people want to rent properties, rents go up. So that's a very short-term indicator. It's when we use that money to predict imminent growth or falls in property markets. When you look a bit further ahead, it's about purchasing power. That is things like interest rates and the amount of housing finance that's available. And even if the need for finance is there, because in some cases, like downsizing, people, when they get older and they downsize, they don't need any finance at all. So that's all about the money side of it. But the third thing is when you look really at the longer term impacts and changes to the property market, it's about population. It's about people moving from one area to another, coming into Australia from overseas. And that's what causes the big changes in our property markets over long periods of time. And that's why I'm now predicting that property prices will rise. I, a lot of people at the start of this year said that housing prices were going to fall, the market could even crash, and I've publicly predicted, again, in your investment property, that housing prices will rise, and the next boom has already started. So I'm going to explain exactly why I said that right now, why the next housing market boom is on its way. Now, the reason I'm saying that is because we have three types of booms in Australia. There are population booms, and then there are economic booms, and there are property market booms, and they're all closely related. When I've looked right back to 1901, all the way to the present, I've found that if we have one of those, we get three, like all three, or we don't get any. So that's the thing. They're all linked together. So let's have a look and see when these have occurred. And there's only ever been a few. If I look at the that housing price graph and look at it differently, like this is the annual price change every year. You, so you can see how house prices have moved. You can see zero in the middle there. And then you can see the percentage change each year. And I counted a boom as being any moment in time or year or whatever it is where house price growth has been 15% or more. And how many times that's happened? Well, there they are there. There's one, two, three, four, five times. So we've only ever had five 
housing market booms in the history of our nation. Not 20 or 30, only five. And you can see there, my prediction is that we're about to have another one. But why? Well, it's because it's linked very closely to the population growth. And if you look at Australia's net annual migrant intake, right over on the right there, you can see how that's, uh, that's going through the roof. Now, if we overimpose on this the times when our property market boomed, you can see there, they're the five booms, and you can see how closely they relate to whenever we've had huge numbers of migrants coming in from overseas. So there's the correlation between property market booms and population booms, especially people coming in from overseas. A very close correlation indeed. And you'd see over on the right with the number of migrants coming in that we're due for another property market boom. In fact, here are the annual population growth figures. And really the only one that we want to look at right now is a total population growth, 418,000 during the last year, that's up to March. And most of those were, in fact, three quarters were overseas arrivals. Then that causes an economic boom. So that's the next type of boom. And again, when we look at the economic booms we've had, and I'll once again show you when we had those five housing market booms, can you see the correlation? So when we have a housing market boom, an economic boom occurs as well. It's pretty obvious that there's a close connection there. So I'm thinking we're going to have another economic boom, not a recession, in the next couple of years. And then, of course, the last one is the property market boom. So when we've had our housing market booms, and there they are, five, I'm now saying we are due for another one. And the main reason is the huge growth in population that we're experiencing right now which will lead to both an economic boom and a housing market boom in the next few years. In fact, it's already started. Now, if you look at the, this is the PropTrack Home Price Index, and there's the change in prices for every capital city and regional market in Australia since March 2020. That is from when the pandemic started to now. Have a look at those figures. They're all positive. Sydney's up 25%, Melbourne up nearly 15%, Brisbane 45%, Adelaide 47%, and so it goes on. And in fact, some of these are now at their peak. So Adelaide and Perth have never had housing market prices. They're now at their highest record levels. And in some regional markets in Queensland, South Australia, WA, and in Northern Territory, they're also at their peak. And that's why I'm saying we're actually in a boom. There's no doubt about it. And the only way that we're going to go now is forward and further upwards. So let's look at the national housing market update. So the way in which I do this is I look at the not just the number of properties or the suburbs, but I look at the whole Australian market in terms of the six states. So we're going to go through each state and look at that. And the way in which I do that is I use my patent as a guide because the patent and the database that it's produced will give you a complete answer to what's likely to happen and what's going on right now. So remember, it does every single suburb and town reads the current type of market. And how does it do that? Well, I thought I need to provide information in a way that's readily understandable. So in any suburb or town anywhere in Australia, a market is either in strong growth, moderate growth, it's either balanced, moderate falls or heavy falls. I think everyone can understand what those terms mean except, of course, the actual 
number. And when I say strong growth, I mean growth of 10% or more per year, heavy falls, falls of 10% or more, and all the rest in between that. So balance means no growth at all, moderate growth up to 10%, moderate falls down by up to 10%. But it then reads the imminent price and rent change potential. So it does the same thing. Let's look ahead a year and see what's likely to happen in each of the suburbs of Australia. And of course, they could change. So they could be balanced now and one suburb could go from balanced to moderate falls or strong growth to balanced or whatever. So it predicts what the changes are likely to be. And then further out again, the longer term price change potential. So even for suburbs, so suffering heavy falls right now, in three to five years, it might be in strong growth. And that would be a really incredible piece of information to be able to use. And yes, you can use this information because I'll make this all available and I'll show you how during this webinar. But it's no good unless it's accurate. And of course, remember that we we have studied how accurate our database is and the predictions it makes. We do this every year and its accuracy is over 90%. It's actually 92% right now, which is a pretty good record. And we've held that sort of level of accuracy for over 12 years. You don't stay in this business for that long period of time unless your predictions actually work. So let's have a look now at not just a suburb, that's one suburb, or we could look at a local government area, but we don't want to do that either. When we're looking at the national housing market, we're going to look at entire cities and entire states and show you exactly what's happening and what's likely to happen. And the way I do that is I use pie charts. So this is a typical city which could be anywhere in Australia and hopefully not because there's a lot of black there. And that would show you what all of those suburbs in that city, how they're performing right now. So you can see that nearly half are suffering from heavy price falls and there's only a very, very few, that's the little red sliver there, that are experiencing strong growth. But a year from now, it might be quite different. And the database might say, well, actually, a year from now, it's going to be a lot better than that. And we're going to see pretty much the same number of suburbs with strong or growth as there are with heavy falls, the same number with moderate falls as moderate growth and so on. So it's a balanced market. And maybe then in three years from now, it could look like that, which would mean that nearly half of the suburbs in that city are experiencing strong growth, growth of over 10% per annum. So now we can look at each city and see exactly what, what's happening right now, what's slightly to happen in a year and what's slightly to happen over the next few years. Firstly, New South Wales. And New South Wales is a state that relies heavily on, on property and business and construction industries. So it, it, when the property market is going well, usually the state is in an economic boom at the same time. But when we look at the population growth components of New South Wales, you'll notice that there's an alarming figure there, and that is the number of people who are leaving for other states each year. It's nearly 38,000 people a year, more than from any other state. So even though we're getting a lot of overseas migration, people coming here from other countries, we're losing a lot to the other states as well in New South Wales. And that means that the total population growth is only just a little bit higher than Victoria's. Let's have a look at Sydney then and what the 468 suburbs in Sydney are doing right now and what they're likely to do in the future. So that's the situation right now. And the first thing you'll notice is that when we look at those, 
all of those suburbs, there's not one that's currently experiencing strong growth, not one suburb in the whole of Sydney. There's a few that are going through heavy falls and about over a quarter, which have got moderate growth and under a quarter without moderate falls. So it's a pretty sort of a sluggish market, a little bit of growth, more than decline, but not much. But when we go ahead a year, you can see suddenly there's quite a big wedge of red, which means strong growth. So that means those suburbs that are not going up in price right now, a year from now, they'll be going up quite strongly. And when we look ahead three years, you can see that growing even more. So that means that the price growth overall in Sydney is likely to increase over the next few years, which is good news if you own property in Sydney. You'll also notice in that last pie chart, there's no black wedge at all. In other words, there are no suburbs in Sydney within three, three to five years, which will be predicted to be going through heavy price falls. So that's really good news as well. So slowly increasing price growth for New South Wales and for Sydney in particular. When we look at Victoria, it's slightly different e- economy there. It, it does rely on property and business, but also on manufacturing. And a lot of people, especially overseas arrivals, when they, they move to Victoria, that's the sort of industries that they get involved in is the manufacturing type industries. When we look at the population changes in Victoria, you can see there that overseas migration nearly as much as New South Wales, but they're also losing a lot of people to the other states. But it's not as much as in New South Wales, but it's still quite significant. So over 15,000 people moving to other states. And that's always a bad thing for property markets when people are moving away. As I explained before, it's about population movement and a loss of people is never good for property markets. When we look then at uh, Victoria, we can see there's a strong legacy of the COVID years. The accumulated debt of borrowings from the government had to make borrowings of $31.5 billion to cover all the costs incurred with COVID and the lockdowns and uh, supporting industry and so on. So there's a massive debt that has to be repaid and that's going to take a long time to repay. And so it's going to mean more increases in tax and taxes on investors and so on. So um, I'm a bit concerned about the economy in Victoria in particular and Melbourne with 339 suburbs also. If you look at the graph, you'll notice that there's no suburbs experiencing strong growth. There are some experiencing heavy falls. Over a quarter have got moderate falls in price occurring right now. A year from now, you can see that there's very little change in that actually. It's, there's not really moving much into growth at all. And when we look at the market three years from now, we see that even though still half of Melbourne suburbs are likely to be balanced, now at least a little bit over a quarter have got some moderate growth occurring. That's three years from now. And there's also a tiny little sliver of red, which is about 19 suburbs. And of course, what you'd be wanting to know is, well, what are those suburbs? Because they're the suburbs that might be declining right now, but three years from now, they'll be in strong growth. And we do predict the which or we provide information about which suburbs they are in our various reports which I'll tell you more about a little later on so in general little to no price growth in the Melbourne property market for at least the next three years Queensland is a very different story they actually had a budget surplus they've got a very diversified economy they didn't suffer at all from the pandemic or very little it was only the tourism industry that that was knocked about a bit But the other thing about Queensland is not just the fact that it's diversified 
economically. It's also got great regional diversity. The more people live outside Brisbane than in Brisbane, those huge regional cities are up the coast of Queensland, quite unlike any other state. So you've got more people living in those cities than live in Brisbane itself. And that gives it also great resilience and also much more opportunity for people in Queensland. When we look at the population growth components, you can see how much more balanced they are with natural increase, that's babies, the net overseas migration, and also interstate migration figures. They're all pretty robust. And the thing you can see about the market is, of course, that what's happening is that people leaving New South Wales and leaving Victoria are moving to Queensland. So they're all moving up up north, at least a lot of them are. That's a quite significant because more people coming from other states into Queensland than are coming from overseas. And what that means is when you look at the total population growth, Queensland is now the fastest growing state in the whole of Australia. It's growing more at a be- bigger rate or a stronger rate than New South Wales or Victoria. And that's the reason interstate migration, giving it the total population growth more than any other state. When we look at Brisbane, 249 suburbs, and we see there that right now there is some some suburbs in strong growth. There's also some with heavy falls, but it's pretty much, apart from that, a balanced market. Now look to see how it changes, and what you notice is that the red wedge is getting bigger because more suburbs will be in strong growth a year or so from now, and there'll be fewer in decline, even in fewer in, in with heavy falls. So that's a market that's increasing, price growth is occurring, and it's likely to escalate even further. When we look three years ahead, you can see well over a quarter of Brisbane suburbs will be in strong growth. There's no black wedge there at all. There are no suburbs in, in heavy falls. So that's going to be a market which is going to experience increasing growth, strong price growth ahead for the next three years. South Australia is a state which relies heavily on manufacturing for its industry, in particular heavy manufacturing such as cars and boats and so on. And the car industry, of course, is nearly finished in South Australia, being replaced by submarines. But it is an economy that relies heavily on on this one source of, of growth, which is a problem. And what you can see there, when you look at South Australia's population growth, there are very, very few babies, the natural increase, 4,000 a year, that's far less than the other states. And that's because younger people leave South Australia, they move to other states. And also that means that older people are staying behind, they're not having any more kids. And so the number of babies being born is, is declining. There's good overseas migration. They get a small number of people coming in from other states more than are leaving. But in general, It's a a fairly modest population growth. And when we look at the property market in Adelaide, and as you can see, the natural increase, very low compared to the other states. Adelaide, 344 suburbs. And right now, wow, look at that. Well over a quarter are in strong growth. They're going up the last year over 20, 30%. Many suburbs in particular, the lower priced areas, Elizabeth and Salisbury, those sorts of areas had very strong price growth occurring. They were the cheapest property markets in any capital city in Australia, and they've gone up fairly dramatically in the last year. So you can see right now they're still performing very, very well indeed. We look a year from now, we can still see more growth and decline because the red and the moderate growth 
segments are much bigger than the other ones on the other side. So you can see there that it's still going to be quite good growth occurring, but three years from now that black wedge is starting to get bigger. So it means that the growth is actually starting to decline. It'll still be quite good, but it means that this strong growth we're experiencing right now is not going to continue for another three years. So the growth is slowing down. And when we look at Western Australia, we see there a state whose economy is very much dependent on mining. It's the mining capital of Australia, especially minerals. And so what we find is that WA generates half of our total resources income. And you have to excuse me here, I've got our house cat and our company cat is creating mischief, so I hope she doesn't disturb us at all. She wants to be part of the show. So Western Australia generates half of our total resources export income. So if it was measured by resources income, that would be the size compared to the rest of Australia. And uh, that means that when the minerals boom is on, then the economy of WA booms as well. At the moment, that's very much what's occurring. You can see there the natural increase is quite strong, 15,000 babies born, a lot of people coming in from overseas, and also people coming in from other states. So they're getting a lot of people coming in from the East Coast to seek their fortunes in WA, and that means that its population growth is about half that of, of New South Wales, Victoria, but double that of South Australia. So all in all, quite a creditable performance. But how is that affecting the Perth market? Well, when we look at that, you can see there again, increase of overseas interstate natural increase, all good. When we look at Perth, what we see there with its 299 suburbs is that right now it's in an incredible property market boom and nearly half of Perth suburbs are going up by more, well, more than 10% per annum. There's none with heavy falls, a few with moderate falls, but it's a, it's a property market boom that's well underway. And when you look a year from now, it's continuing. It's not as strong. There'll be more suburbs with moderate growth, but still well over a quarter of the suburbs of Perth will be going up strongly in price. Three years from now, most of them will be, or nearly half, around half, will be experiencing moderate growth. So it means that there's a boom that's continuing. It will be going on for some years. But when you look at that last pie chart, you'll notice there's a little sliver of black because some suburbs will be at the end of the boom and falls will start occurring. So it's an area where you could buy almost anywhere right now and do quite well. Not everywhere, but almost. But it's going to have to be an area where you look more closely at what's likely to happen because the boom is definitely slowing down. But the last one I'd like to look at is Tasmania. And the economy of Tasmania is quite different to the rest of Australia's states because it relies heavily on tourism and on primary industry like forestry, fishing and farming. Those sorts of industries support the economy. When we look at the growth components, you can see that they don't have many babies at all in a year, about 800 a little bit of overseas migration, and the net interstate migration well, was 21 people. You think, well, that's surely, that doesn't really matter. It doesn't mean anything. But this is the problem sometimes you find with numbers is they can really hide what's going on because what we're looking at here is net interstate migration. That means the number of people leaving compared to the number coming in. So there were 21 more came in than left. But when we look at the actual numbers, of people leaving and coming in. There's 15,000 every year. So, and these are young people that leave Tasmania for the mainland cities 
looking for entertainment, employment, recreation, all of those sorts of things. <clears throat> and they're replaced by the same number of older people arriving. So we find that older retirees moving in to the coastal areas of Tasmania for their downsizing home and also moving to cities such as Hobart. So with the pie charts for this, I've done the whole of Tasmania, not just Hobart, and you can see there that the growth, which is sort of moderate right now, that the number of suburbs which have got strong growth declining, the number with moderate growth also declining and more suburbs with uh, moderate falls. So that means that it's an area where probably three years from now, nearly half of the suburbs won't have any growth at all. And then there'll be about less than a quarter with some growth and others with some falls. So it's a market that's uh, got moderate growth ahead. But because of that nature of the market where people are moving into the coastal areas, it's very much the retiree type areas of Stanley and Penguin and Alveston, St. Helens, Hewanville. They're the sorts of markets and areas where people are moving to and then they're moving away from the medium-sized cities such as Devonport and Burnie and Launceston. and their young people there moving to the mainland. So you can see how that's affecting the property market in Tasmania. Now we're going to look at where to renovate for profit. Now to do this, I thought I'd use two first-time renovators, Osden, meet Osden, he's on the left, and that's Jen over on the right. Now they have very, very similar aims in terms of the renovation. What they're going to do is buy a property for around 750000 and then sell it for just over a million. You're going to do a reno during that year and then sell the property. So it's a renovation for profit ambition. Buy, renovation, hold and sell costs around 190000 and that means that their expected profit would be about 110000 which is usual how that's how it works. So you get a 30% or a one-third uplift in price means that you're going to end up with about 10% profit. And the rest, of course, will go in the buy, reno, hold and sell costs. So they pretty much work it out. We're going to make $110,000 profit for capital gains tax on this little reno deal. Now, Osden bought a house in Lyndhurst, which is a suburb of Melbourne, and he knows the area well. He grew up there. That's the house he bought to renovate, and that's close to where he works. That's so very convenient, and he's got tradie mates in the area, so he said, that'll do me. I'm buying that house in Lyndhurst. And Jen purchased a house in Carrum. Now, she didn't have a clue where to renovate. She didn't know, but she said, I know what I'll do. I'll get one of John Linderman's reports, and I'll pick a, a suburb in that report, which happened to be Carrum. And then she found that suburb, Carrum, had the right buy price as well. So there's Carrum and there's Lindhurst. You can see that they're pretty close together. They're both in southeast Melbourne. But the way they performed was rather differently over the next year. This is the plan, as you can see here, buy the property sit around 750000 So bought well under the median, which in each case was about 940. So they did the right thing. They bought a property well below the median price so that they could renovate up to or around the median. Hold it for one year, expected to add $300,000 in value, sell for just over a million. The costs are around 190000 and therefore the before tax profit would be just over $100,000. What do you think happened? Well, what happened was rather surprising because during that hold period, the median price in Lindhurst fell by 
Now, as you've seen from my pie charts, prices can move quite significantly and they can do so fairly quickly. Whereas in Carum, the median price rose by 11%, did exactly the opposite thing. What effect did this have on their renovation project? Well, for uh, Austin, it meant that the movement cost him $82,000, just simply the fact that property prices fell by that much. So he, when he sold it, he only got 936000 and he lost money on the deal. Whereas with Jen, she sold for $1,167,000 and her net profit was actually double what she thought she would achieve. So whereas Austin said, this is a disaster, I'm never going to renovate ever again. Jen, on the other hand, said, this is great, and she's already looking for her next property to renovate. You can see the importance of market movements can make or break a renovation project no matter how well you do it. So the first thing, the first rule is to find suburbs with market-driven growth potential. And the second important rule is then to renovate to the most sought-after dwelling type. So they're the two things I'm going to cover now. How do you find suburbs with market-driven growth potential? Well, we've already talked about this. Market movements are predictable. We know which way property markets are going to move. And with our pie charts, where you look at that, Sydney right now, a year from now, Melbourne right now, a year from now, and the same with Brisbane. If you're going to do a renovation in Sydney, what you'd be wanting to do is buy in a suburb currently that's a neutral market, a balanced market, but where prices are going to go up very strongly in the next year or predicted to do so. If you're doing that in Melbourne, you would look to an area where there is no strong growth potential, but there's moderate growth potential, which is quite okay as well. Or in Brisbane, a lot to choose from again, but you've got that little wedge of suburbs that have got really strong price growth potential. So that's the key to it, is to buy in an area that's not going backwards in price, but has got that price growth potential over your predicted whole period. And avoid this sort of thing where you're buying into from the suburb that's maybe got no growth or little growth, but you're buying into an area where the prices are actually predicted to go backwards. In all of these situations, that's a possibility, and that's the sort of thing you need to avoid. So with our prediction solution, when we look at the houses or units in 15,000 suburbs or towns, we can read the current type of market, and so we say buy in a balanced market and look for those areas where the database is predicting strong growth over the next few years. That's where you do your renovation. What you avoid is areas that are currently in strong growth. Why do you do that? Because the growth may not last. It could be at the end of a boom and suddenly you find the prices start to go backwards or don't buy an area which is experiencing heavy falls because they could continue. And that means, of course, that you're going to lose money on the deal and the falls may continue all through your renovation project period. And don't or whatever you do, buy in areas which are predicted to have moderate or heavy falls over your hold period because that could end up meaning a renovation disaster. How do you find them? Well, we do issue reports which show you where the strongest growth potential is. Now, that's called a suburb selector report. But what you do is you pick the area. You say, well, I'm interested in, say, the Mornington Peninsula area in Melbourne or the Gympie area around that in Brisbane or Sydney, the Blue Mountains, 
doesn't matter where it is, it's your preferred area and your preferred type of property. And you say, well, my buy price range is five to 600 or whatever it is. And then what we do is we go to the database and we find the five suburbs with the strongest price growth potential during your expected hold period. And we do that in your area for your preferred type of property and that are within your buy price range. The report gives you the imminent, medium and longer term price growth outlook and shows you the current market conditions, short term cash flow potential, current and potential rental yield. And these property reports are used by buyers agents. These are the people, buyers agents, who use our reports all the time because they do all the heavy lifting for them. And they're endorsed by experts such as Kevin Turner and John Flaherty from the Monash University, Simon Buckingham and so on. So experts actually say these are great resources and tools to be able to use. Now let's look generally though, if you were saying, well, that's all very well, but I don't want to buy your report, John. I just want you to tell me what sort of areas I should be doing this in. And so there are very, very clear indications you can use as to which areas you should be looking to do renovations in for the best uplift in value. Let's look at outer suburban areas. This is outer Brisbane. And when we look at the suburbs of outer Brisbane, you can see here that there's Nudgee, Burpengary, Burndle and Togum. Now, when I look at the unrenovated price, that's over on the left, in the middle is the median sale price, and over on the right is the renovated value. What that's showing you is the amount of uplift in value you could expect to achieve if you bought an unrenovated property and did a simple cosmetic reno, how much would that improve the value of the property by? And from the median sale price to the renovated value. So if you look at just the median, there's hardly any uplift at all. In other words, very, very little result for all the time and effort and money you've put in. You're not getting much back. And the reason for that is that nearly all the properties are all the same. And so there's no benefit in making one better than all the others because it's not going to make the difference in value that much. So when you're looking at doing a renovation, it's very hard to do that successfully in outer suburban areas where every property looks just like every other one. It's very sim different, I mean, to areas such as older inner suburban markets. So where you're looking at an an inner urban area of Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide, Perth, and you might find an old property like that, and then you can renovate it to something like that. What sort of uplift in value can that achieve? Well, here you can see I've picked Sandy Bay in Tassie, Marrickville, New South Wales, Richmond, Victoria, and Hamilton in Queensland, all well-established older inner urban suburbs. Now look at the difference between the unrenovated price, the median sale, and the renovated value and the uplift is quite extraordinary. So it means if you do a renovation in one of these areas, you can find an old, in one of those tardy old properties and really fix it up and make it look like one of the better properties in the area. That's the sort of uplift you can achieve. And it's really quite extraordinary, the amount you can make in those sorts of areas. But of course, the prices, when you look over on the left, we're talking over a million dollars. And you might say, well, John, we, we can't afford a million dollars, can we do this in other areas where prices aren't as high? Well, yes, you can look at ex-housing commission locations where you might find a trashed out old house like that and you do a renovation to make it look like that. So that's the sort of thing you can do in ex-housing commission locations. And usually 
the best ones are those where, say, about half the properties have already been refurbished and renovated, but the other half haven't. So there's an opportunity there to improve the appearance and the value of the property quite easily. When we look at those in Mascot, New South Wales, Seaford, Victoria, Manopara and Coburg, we're looking at the uplift in price you can achieve. Now, you can see here that you can do that in some areas and spend much less than a million dollars, but you're still getting quite a significant uplift from the median, well over 100000 from the median to the renovated value and even more from the unrenovated price. So, in the, so that means that if you can find a property that really needs renovation, you can do, the uplift can be much greater again. Another great area or source of renovation potential properties are ex-holiday home locations. So you might find a, an old beach shack like that and you do a renovation and it comes up looking like that. So what uplift in price and value can you expect? Well, again, it's very, very strong. This is what happened, Bato Bay, Dramana, Mollymook Beach, Bongaree, which is on Bribey Island in Queensland, and Victor Harbour. You can see quite a staggering uplift, even from the median price to the renovated value. It's quite extraordinary. And you can see there that's achievable just by doing a renovation of the right sort. The last one, Victor Harbour, we'll look at that again in a minute. So it's over 178000 from doing a renovation. So what is the right type of renovation to do then? How do you renovate to the most sought-after dwelling type? Well, let's look at ex-holiday home locations like Victor Harbour, which is also a tourism and holiday hotspot and a downsizer retiree location, or indeed any of those. What would be the most sought-after dwellings in those areas? Well, because you're looking at selling to older people who are downsizing, maybe a short level walk to the shops and facilities, two-kilometre walk max, easy to maintain and secure home, easily secured and a safe property, and easy to access with few or no steps. So by following simple rules and thinking, well, who is going to want to live in this area, therefore what type of renovation should I do, allows you to avoid buying a property like that because that would be completely wrong in a retiree type area, whereas this would be the perfect type of renovation to end up with. No steps at all, perfectly suited for retirees, easy to secure, easy to maintain. What would you do in Victor Harbour? So I had a closer look, let's sort of drill down into Victor Harbour because that was quite an extraordinary uplift in price. And we also do a report called the What to Build or Renovate To report where you pick the area, you say, well, I want to know about Victor Harbour or Sussex Inlet or anywhere else. You tell me, and what we give you is a snapshot of the past, current market conditions, the short-term price movement trend, the accuracy rating, longer-term price growth outlook, cash flow, and so on, and rental yield. But we also show you the best type of dwelling to build or renovate to and the potential uplift in value. So with all our reports, and you can see here what Naomi Finlay says they're essential because they show you which suburbs have got the greatest imminent price growth potential. Alan Wheeler of Hills Corp Developments did a reno and sold it for 40, 40% more than his buy, sell and, and rent reno costs. And Bryce Houston from Victoria who bought a property in Cowes. And we actually, a report showed him the type of property to develop, which were townhouses designed for older people. And he's looking at a profit of over 600000 So these reports are very, very valuable because they provide a little bit more than our 
these are what we get in the suburbs liquor type report. So this tells you, as you, you saw before, the basic information about the current type of market, the short-term price growth prediction, and the longer term. So when we looked at that, we said, well, Victor Harbour's gone up 21%, but it's still predicted to produce moderate growth over the next year and strong growth over the next three to five years. So what we then do in the report is we show you what exactly is going on with the types of households and dwellings in Victor Harbour. Who's moving in? Who's moving out? What's actually changing? And what you notice is that the it's very much a retiree area. The median age is 59, and the couples with no kids is about double that number as opposed to or compared to couples with kids. So there's a lot of older people that when they say no kids, it's not because they won't have any, it's because they've already had them and the kids have grown up. So there's very much a sort of an older area full of people who are couples who have downsized and moved there. Now, the type of dwelling, it's very interesting when you notice the type of dwelling increasing the most, it's actually units. Now, this is a unit according, this is all ABS data, Australian Bureau of Statistics data, and of course, they mean a dwelling unit, which means a unit as in opposed to a house. It could be a flat or it could just be a an apartment, that sort of thing. So those numbers have gone up dramatically in the last, with an annual trend of over 7%. So for some reason, people want to live in very small type units. But when we look at the bedroom count, and this is the number of actual dwellings and how they're changing, which is the number of four or more bedroom properties is increasing by 4.8% per annum. And when I first looked at this, it, it didn't make any sense to me at all. I thought, well, how can you have they're not building four-bedroom units, are they? Why is the number of units going up so much and four-bedroom houses? And then I realised, of course, what it is that the older people in Victor Harbour don't want to move away. But as they become less mobile and less able to maintain their properties, they're moving into little micro, high-residence type apartments. And so it's high-res, micro-unit type accommodation. So if you were to do a renovation in Victor Harbour, you might buy a three-bedroom house and turn that into four-bedroom type micro-unit accommodation, and therefore you'd get a potential uplift in price of over 200000 by doing the right type of renovation in Victor Harbour. Now, this may not work. It probably wouldn't work anywhere else unless similar conditions applied. So each area is going to be different. This report shows you exactly what it is you need to renovate to and what the uplift in price could be. So if the answer in Victor Harbour was micro-units, these reports are available to you can buy them from us, but I'm not here to sell you these reports because I think that I've done a number of presentations and people have more questions. They say, well, that's all very well, but I've got more things to ask you, John. I want to know more about a particular area, the type of property I want to buy. And remember, this is all the sort of research that you need to do before you actually start your reno. So before you get busy with the hammer and the saw, whatever, and the paintbrush, then you need to be sure you're doing this in the right area and you're doing it to the right type of property and you're going to renovate to the right type of property. So how can you use this information or any of the information I've provided today? Well, I'm offering you a free 30-minute phone consultation with me. It's no obligation. I'm not selling you anything. I mean, if you want to buy a report, that's fine. And just by way of explaining the retail price of those reports is 498 
and Bernadette's convinced me by twisting my arm to cut the price down by $200. So that means the same price as our retail reports, only $2.98 each. If you do, when you do, buy one. If you do, that'll be the price you'll be paying, not the retail price. But before you do that, why not have a chat with me, find out exactly where you can get the highest growth, where you can secure positive cash flow, where to renovate, what to renovate to, all of that pre-research. We can do that together in a 30-minute telephone conversation. And also, if you've got properties and you don't know whether to hold or sell them, we can provide the answer using the database information. Now, of course, my time is limited and I can only make some limited spots available. So you've got to be able to book pretty, pretty quickly to get on, but the offer's there. How do you take advantage? Well, go to my website, Lindemann Reports. There it is there, lindemannreports.com.au, and just go on there and click under services, free reports, or if you see the sign saying click here to secure a free consultation, you'll find it pretty quickly, and then you just fill in that and a mutually convenient time and date, and I'll be able to talk to you about your property investing questions and answer the most pressing questions that you have. Now, we can have questions and answers. Of course, we'll need to do this by you directing your questions to Bernadette. Bernadette, you'll explain how they can do this, and then I'll be sending you information. So that's the end of my presentation. Thank you very much. Beautiful. As always, very informative. And I know, so I didn't mention earlier that John came down to the Southern Highlands and presented to our Wonder Women, and they were completely blown away. And so we decided that this information is important for you, our audience, and also our Wonder Women who weren't at retreat. And so that's why we've done this recording, and I know everyone will love it. So all you need to do is just jot your questions in the comments underneath this video. And we will see that they get to John. We'll also post the link to his website there so you're able to book in a call. Wonder Women, we will give you first dips because I know John doesn't have a lot of spots. So this will go into your portal first. And so you can book in your calls. And thank you, John. That's amazing as always. Yeah, that's it. Thank you very much. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.